to Music is the Drug, the Cowboy Junkies podcast. I'm Dave Bowler, and I wrote the band's biography. You can find the show at all the usual podcast outlets, so don't forget to subscribe, like, and add reviews. All of it helps the cause. We're going back to Mars from our home today with the song Blue Guitar. It's one of Michael Timmons' more unusual co-writes, this time with Towns Van Zandt. There was a complication to overcome, as Mike recalls, this song, I mean, I, I, I've said it before. It's my, it's my co-write with Towns Van Zant. The only, the only difference, the only odd thing being that Towns was dead when we did the co-write, um, which is very classic Towns, I thought. So, uh, my part of it, basically the verses, the "I wish I had a blue guitar" parts, were um, I wrote those on um, really when I heard about his death. You know, I got a phone call from somebody who told me he died, and. Uh, and, you know, it's it sort of my immediate reaction and the music, too. So all the music was written at that, you know, basically as a immediate reaction to him hearing the news of his death. And then um, but it wasn't really, you know, I, I and I couldn't go any further with it. Like once I'd finished it or once I'd done the little emotional uh, explosion with it, uh, I couldn't I couldn't take it any further. And I and it didn't feel really it didn't feel finished to me. It felt like an idea, but it wasn't quite all there. And then uh, Margot and I, maybe a couple of months later, were invited down to uh, the bottom, to, to New York City and play, to play a show at the bottom line with a whole bunch of people as a, a tribute to Towns. And we went down and um, did a couple of Towns songs. And Janine uh, Towns' widow was there. And um, she had these books, which she gave everybody who came down, of unfinished lyrics, of Towns' lyrics, just sort of stuff he'd been working on or lying around. And it's a really nice little gift. She'd put it in these little books and gave them to us. And I came across this one song. I, I can't remember what it was called. I think it was, I think it was probably called "Screams from the Kitchen." And uh, and so the second part of the song, the you know the ghosts in the basements parts and the goodbye to the highways or the bridge, the bridge of the songs, those are part of those lyrics. So, and I I sort of thought it it just had a really great. It, it, it immediately I thought, well, this worked perfectly with you know my 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 start of blue guitar. It, with my part being from my perspective and the other part being from Towns's perspective, who, had, who was, you know, from beyond. Um, and uh, so I put it together and, you know, and it became, it became blue guitar. So it's kind of a weird, a weird genesis of the song. And, um, but it's kind of, I, I really like it. It's, it's a little bit different on miles from the rest of the stuff. I mean, there's a lot of separation and sparkle on the, on a lot of the other songs where this is kind of more of a, it's more dense. It's more of a stew. Because it was, uh, you know, half half written by Towns Van Zandt. We we're going for dark and brooding, of course, because that's what he's all about, and that's we do that pretty well. But he's, you know, the king of that. So we really wanted to make it uh, sort of a, a dense, dark soup. And um, you know, my thought was, okay, I got to rip off a Joy Division baseline because that's if you want if you want dark and brooding. Go for that. So I found I found a uh, found a song. I forget which one. I think it was on um, Closer, something off Closer, and I sort of adapted that that idea. Yeah, it just it just kind of grounds it and makes it and makes it uh, earthy and you know dark, which is what that's all about. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I think. For this type of song, you know, I think I played acoustic on this one, which is kind of weird for this song. I think that was John Lucky's suggestion, which was I think, a really good one. 
So it's kind of weird to have a jam song with, a, and it's not it's not overly jammy on the jam style on the on the, on the uh, album, but there's a little you know a few sections here and there, um, a few a few overdubs. Yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't listened to it in a while as far as comparing the. the it's definitely different. You know, most of the songs. I think all the rest of the songs on Miles are more song oriented. You know, they're verse verse chorus bridgey type songs. This one has a more open ended side to it. So that's that's probably what you're hearing. One of the sonic additions came in the form of a very effective string arrangement. That was added in London's Abbey Road in the famous Beatles studio, much to the delight of Alan Anton. Yeah, you know, these London Symphony string section was there, probably 20 of them or so, um, you know, in the Beatles room. And there was this kind of hierarchy of who you couldn't talk to, which you couldn't talk directly to the conductor or the players or you have to go through the arranger and it's really very union union driven weird but um yeah it worked out great and it was really just kind of an experience that you won't get anywhere else obviously recording something in the Beatles room with actually one you know John Leckie who's the producer who who was he spent his whole life there he grew up at Abbey Road started as an engineer and worked on all the Beatles solo projects individually and uh was even there for Dark Side of the Moon as an engineer so yeah he was you know he knew the place inside and out so he could show us this is where this happened. This is where Paul did that. You know, so it's, it was a history lesson for sure. Uh, you know, it's always fun, you know, to learn stuff like that. And uh, I've never, I never really gotten bored with it. Like, you know, if somebody says that this is how they got the reverb sound on this song, you know, I'm, I'm still interested. I want to know really. And the piece of metal was how big? And, <laughs> you know, I like, I like those details. But one of my one of my favorite books was the um, the day by day recording book at Abbey Road because it's a it's you know it's not it's not mythical it's it's real but it's like a myth because you know they 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 were nine to fivers in that place they didn't tour all they did was go to work go to the office every day that's that's so unique there's an, another band there's there's no other band in rock history who did that it's very strange. And when we when we were there, you know, there was uh, Jimmy Page and Robert Plant working on their solo or their whatever record, duo record, at the same time, and, and they were being taken around because they'd never been to Abbey Road for some reason in their career, and they were being shown around by uh, um, Alan Parsons, who was actually the director or manager of Abbey Road at that time, or CEO or something. Anyway, so, so he was showing those guys around, telling them the same stories that we heard from John Lucky. They were like wide-eyed and open-mouthed. Blue Guitar is a song that has gone in and out of the live set over the years, but it's one that's governed by a real risk and reward equation, according to Mike. It's a song we, we you know, I keep on saying we have to do live more. Um, keep on telling myself, we have an extra, we got to start to reintroduce it. It's a hard one. It's a hard one for Margo to sing. It's in a weird key for her, and the melody's odd, so I think that's why we stay away from it. And it's also... It's one of those songs that can be very open and very um, improvisational, but at the same time, it has to be, it has to lock back up for the bridges. So we tend to get lost in it if, if we don't do it enough. Um, 
so it's a tricky one live, but uh, it's a sort of song that I'd love to sort of do more of. Because I guess live, it's it's in the same mould as, I don't know, something like Laid Down, where it's got that improvisational opportunity in it, but, but maybe Laid Down is easier to, to then come back and get back to the song. Yeah, exactly. Like, like it's, you're right. It's the exact same type of thing. It's, it would be, it would, it would go into a, you know a place in the set where a lay it down would go, or work on a building or something like that, where where we can we can play it for as long as we want. And if we if we hit it on a particular night, it's really great. And then some nights it falls apart. Um, it's always good to have those sorts of songs in a set. But you're at this. Yeah, the, the difference with this one is that it it has to lay it down has to come back together at a certain point, but it's just, just the way it, musically it's easier to find its way back to where we, to the beginning where this one, there's certain cues within the song, which, which cue the next section. And, and uh, for those really wide open instrumental songs, um, you know, and if everybody doesn't hit the cue, it gets a, it gets a little bit, um, we get lost and, and especially Margot. So like if, 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 if we don't hit the cue with Margot or Margot doesn't hit with us, then, then we get kind of, it gets kind of screwed up. So, it's a little scarier <laughs> and it requires a little bit more um, just playing more, you know, it's, it's sort of that catch 22 of you, you don't, you can't, you, you don't get good at it until you play it a lot. And you don't, if you don't play it a lot, you're not good at it, but it's a, it's a, it's a fun song. You know, it's a, it's a great groove. And I, I love the version we have on the, on the, uh, on miles from our home too. I thought we kept, captured a really good version. Of it. Strange that Towns hasn't been one of those people that gets reevaluated somewhere down the line. He's never really had that reappraisal. Yeah, he was a really, you know, classic opposite to the what you're hearing kind of personality. Very funny and you know interested in everything, but he just had a very very dark streak to to that, which is obviously where the songs came from. But they're you know the songs are beautiful, beautiful. Beautifully dark, I would say. I would have thought that after, um, you know, he got quite a lot of uh, movement from his friends who covered his songs a lot. Steve Earle did a whole album of his covers of his songs. And, you know, I would have thought that he would have gotten up to, you know, kind of John Prine at least status, you know, maybe Dylan status, but, but John Prineish, you know. But he never really has, you know, even though he's, you know, he's used a lot in movies and, you know, there's a lot of presence. There's just something about, I guess, his style or something that doesn't, um, doesn't lend itself to wider appeal. But I mean, the, you know, the songs are there, they're beautiful and I just don't get it. You know, if you think about back in 90, you know, early 90s when we were playing with Towns and, and, and covering a couple of his songs, like he was, at that point, his career was in the ditch you know like very few people knew about him i mean except unless you're except for your 
real songwriters and you know from you know who are who are aware of the texas singer songwriter genre um certainly everybody down there knew about him but not up here not 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 in general right um and i think now because because a lot of people have covered his songs you know especially um you know robert plant and allison krauss you know they covered a couple of his songs so so you know i think he's had i think i think more i mean compared to compared to 30 years ago it's it's you know night and day like he's a much bigger name as a, as a songwriter but yeah i guess i mean he never had any huge hits or anything like that so i think i think you know there's only so so far you can go you know and even you know when, when his when his songs get covered and become hits people generally don't know the name of the songwriter you know they, they know the, the person who made it a hit so and um, that's probably why but I, I think he has definitely his his stature and his name is much better known than it was 30 years ago that's all for this episode, but next time we're going from towns to townies with a special podcast devoted to the album Mike made with Andy Mays during the lockdown. Andy will be here with Mike to guide us through it. There are another three episodes to come before we take a short break for the northern summer, so make sure you subscribe to the show at your podcast provider before then to make sure you still get all your podcasts after the break. Cowboy Junkie's new album, Songs of the Recollection, is out now. If you haven't got a copy yet, It's available from all the usual outlets or direct from the band at cowboyjunkies.com. You can also get a copy of the book Music is the Drug from there too. The Junkies are back on the road with new tour dates coming in all the time in North America, all across Europe and in Australia and New Zealand. Keep checking their website for news of those shows. If you're a Spotify user, you can follow our growing podcast playlist and all the details of that, along with everything else, is in the show notes. See you next time. So oh.